coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. I used to be able to go to the receptionist and sort of navigate to see somebody. There's no such thing as a receptionist anymore. That, that doesn't exist. So how do you get to a customer, right? And I think you have to have that human element, you know, how to make it real. And, and I think where you guys are, particularly in like video space and rich content, you know, as marketers, you know, making the company human and accessible without having a salesperson show up and talk to a receptionist and get to somebody, right? Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome inside the Spherical Media studio here in the south end of Charlotte. I'm Jared Latch alongside Tim Bear. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Our guest on this episode of The Hive Life is Jason Grizzy. To give you a little quick background, Jason spent 16 years at Ingersoll Rand, finishing his time there as a director of global marketing and sales enablement. Currently, Jason serves as a director of global marketing, specifically in building networks and product brand strategy. Jason, thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks a lot. Now, before we get into the current work, I I like to work my way backwards a little bit and, and get more context on you as the person. You grew up on the south side of Chicago. And just talk about the path of how you arrived in Charlotte, I think, in 2004, correct? That's right, yeah. So, yeah, good, good to be here um, from the south side of Chicago originally. Started at the beginning um, and uh, grew up there. Went to school down in the uh, southern part of Illinois, University of Illinois, and came back and worked in Chicago for a handful of years. Um, I actually have an engineering background, so it sets me up pretty well for a lot of the B2B uh, companies I've been a part of, right? But... Uh, went back and got my MBA here in Charlotte and moved into uh, more of the commercial side of businesses, so selling and product line management and marketing. Um, so yeah, for me, uh, moving to the South was a good move. It's a much uh, more balanced life for us, I think. Chicago's a great place, but we've been here in Charlotte for almost 17 years now. And uh, yeah, lo- love this area and have loved the companies I've worked for so far for the last almost 20 years. So it's been good for us. I'll test your South side roots, White Sox or Cubs? <laughs> Sox fan. Oh, there you go. Yeah, man. If you grew up on the South side of Chicago and you're not a Sox fan, you probably get beat up a lot. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, you're a Sox fan likely. Nice. <laughs> you decided at an early age, you don't want to have to go through with that. <laughs> the beatings. Yeah, yeah the be- right. The beatings would stop. Yeah. <laughs> I lived up on Waveland Avenue. So I was, I adopted the Cubs when I was up there nice. uh, for grad school. So yeah. So nice. it's a great town though. Yeah, Chicago's a great place, and I've been to many places around the world. Still can say Chicago's one of the best, but uh, Charlotte is a nice place to live, <laughs> much easier place to live. So. so looking at your current position with Corning, mm-hmm. uh, translate for us what you're, what you're doing in that role. Yeah, so I lead marketing for a segment of our business, and um, at Corning, we've got four divisions. Uh, there are uh, the, the Corning Optical Fiber, or Corning Optical Communications Division, headquartered here in Charlotte. It's uh, the biggest division in the in the company. Um, so you have basically two big segments in the in the business. One selling optical fiber, so under roads, under sea, uh, connect connect the world, right? So um, if it wasn't for what Corning invented in optical fiber 30, 40 years ago, there would be no internet, right? So we really are connecting the world and connecting people through what we sell. Um, and then the other portion of the business is essentially uh, in building networks. So this building we're in today. It's bringing fiber in through the uh, vertical run of a building in the horizontal, in the floors, and to the uh, endpoints, so providing Wi-Fi and cellular connectivity 
and um, throughout a building. So my job is really to help define and grow the market inside buildings for the Corning optical fiber business around the globe. So, And you said you had an engineering background, but how much did you know about this stuff before you got, got to Corning? Uh, very little, <laughs> except for the uh, work I did on the uh, prepping for interviews, right? Um, but look, we all sort of live this, you know, I mean, um, in a world of, uh, you know, connected, a connected world that we live in, and those on the marketing side, you know, heavily digi digital enabled and digital driven, um, you know, a lot of the concepts here are not totally foreign. Um, look, it's a, it's a much more complicated market than I thought it would be. Um, but, um, you know, not too hard to climb that learning curve into this new, new business. And, uh, for me, it's been really cool. So I've, I spent 16 years with a, another B2B type company, built a lot of marketing competency and product line management competency and, uh, coming to Corning, the cool thing is, uh, some of the challenges are very similar, right? So as you go across different B2B businesses, and, and even within Ingersoll Rand, there's 11 business units, essentially 11 businesses within Ingersoll Rand. Um, you know, you could see that the similarities or the challenges people have across businesses are, are, are just really similar. So coming to Corning for me validates, look, um, a lot of what we, we do in a marketing sense is very transportable across business, uh, across different businesses. So it's been, it's been pretty fun to come in there. And, you know, I'll, I'll jump in one more thing. I mean, the um, we focus on story, obviously, here. You, you touched on it there. I mean, telling the story to potential customers and partners is probably pretty easy, though, because they all feel it. They're all touching what you guys are dealing with. Yeah, I think so, especially when you relate it to, uh, like I said, you know, we build, we build connections so the world can connect with each other, right? Like this idea of um, we're connecting people. Um, I think that resonates really well. And there's a lot of tentacles to that story, if you will. Um, I mean, think about um, economic development in countries is tied to the availability information, right? So it's, the story is really relatable uh, from a company perspective, right? You know, if we can provide connectivity to, to for instance, underdeveloped economies, the likelihood that they're going to increase their economic value uh, increases. So we can, like, literally help the world improve by applying better reach to connectivity. So the story from a corporate perspective is really good. And then... You know, as you break it down into our particular areas of interest, so for me, it's in buildings, um, really easy for people to relate um, as you hear a lot about like 5G networks expanding and how much data you're consuming. Even in your building, you guys are in video. I mean, how many gig of data are you consuming for your 10 to 20 users it's in expensive. the building, right? <laughs> it's expensive, but, you know, with, with um, things like 5G networks coming, that connectivity is going to be a lot harder. So people are uh, really, it's easy for them to understand the story about building these connections and making people more efficient at what they do and uh, that the world of, of data is growing quickly, right? You know, it's not just stagnant, but uh, it's a, a multiplicative effect in terms of data consumption. And so there's an easy story for us to tell, right? What are some of the hurdles then in getting that story across and getting people to actually adopt the technology and, and get in the fiber, whether it's a building or an organization, wherever you're looking to implement? Yeah, so for us, um, you know, the challenge is, is history, right? Um, it's a complicated buying process with lots of different stakeholders in the process. And um, the way people have designed buildings for 30, 40, 50 years hasn't changed dramatically. So one of the things uh, that challenges for us is really um, changing the way people think about designing uh, a building, not only the communication infrastructure, but the physical infrastructure of a building. So for us, the story, the gap is essentially um, how do we uh, show people a different way of doing things that's in fact lower cost, 
lower both operating and um, um, capital cost, but also can improve performance. Um, what it takes is for us to change the way the market does things today to get them to adopt that. So, so what are the, some of the things that you're using then in, in your toolkit to make sure that happens? Because there's an education piece. There's a lot of pieces that go together. You want to show them how it actually works. How, yep. how is that unfolding? Yeah, so for us, uh, it's a mix, right? The, the marketing mix um, is from a thought leadership perspective, top, we call it, call it like top of the funnel activity. It's about uh, being a thought leader in the industry. So we participate in industry networks um, like TIA, which is the, uh, essentially the Telecommunications Industry uh, Association. And we do podcasts and webcasts and uh, blogs with them and others like them to get the message out around awareness and how you should be thinking about building your building differently, right? Um, so from the top of the funnel activity, those are some tactics in a way we're sort of changing the way the industry thinks. Um, and we've also joined the Smart Building Initiative where uh, we're in partnership with like mobile carriers, like a, a T-Mobile or others. Uh, we're working together to try to change that industry. But then uh, from a, a uh, let's say lower in the funnel or demand generation perspective, um, definitely a shift towards digital tactics, um, whether that be um, video or um, search engine optimization or search engine marketing tactics. Um, definitely uh, exploring and leveraging uh, some of the social media outlets as well, um, but with the intent to generate demand. So we look at that whole funnel and say, you know, how do we influence the top of the funnel and provide thought leadership in the industry? And then how do we connect it to a real life customer who's really looking to engage with us? And how do we um, you know, really give them the right content at the right point in that buying journey. When, when we start a video project or any kind of project with a partner, one of the first questions is always, who's the audience? So who is your audience that you guys are trying to reach when you talk about that customer? Yeah, so um, in a B2B setting, in, in my experience, that's a tough question. Uh, typically, six to seven buyers exist in a buying process in a B2B uh, sense, right? So for us, you know, who that customer is goes from a a general contractor, somebody who is commissioned to build the building, um, an architect or engineer who is another firm who's designing the building and the infrastructure, an end user, so you guys and or your building owner in this building, right? Um, th those are a customer of the buying process. So um, as you think through that entire uh, buying center and the, who the influencers um, and who are the, who are the uh, decision makers, we're trying to tailor content to those people and depend on where they are on the journey. So as you, you guys know, it's a really complex matrix of what's the right content, who are the influencers and stakeholders, and how do you get them that content at the right place at the right time? That's exactly what our integrated marketing plans that include video production, uh, that's how we think about it. Nice, that's cool. In, in data-wise, I know that's the big thing. It's been that way for a while, but there's so much data. What are you watching and what are your, you know, your key performance indicators that you say, okay, these are doing well, here's something we need to do well, and it either mm -hmm. affirms the approach or yeah. it causes you to do something different. Yeah, really, really good. Um, so uh, I think that is the crux of marketing today. Like that is the most difficult thing for organizations to figure out. And um, I think that many organizations overcomplicate that question. So I would say there's so much data available and, and it's hard to know what matters. Um, so for me, and the way we approach it and we're approaching it now is um, uh, lead management process and uh, the buying uh, process, understanding those really well 
and then putting the right metrics that matter in place and making it simple. So uh, instead of chasing 10 different metrics, like what are the two or three that matter? Set up the infrastructure to monitor those particular metrics and then set up a, a culture and a team that can problem solve against those metrics. And for us, I mean, you look at the, uh, the buying funnel or the process, right? Um, if we look at sort of top of the funnel lead inflow metrics, that might be um, things like new prospects that come into the funnel. And, and even before that, things like engaged customers that we would say, for instance, website visits could be engaged customers. Um, but for us to answer your question more directly, uh, prospects are super important. So uh, how are people um, coming to our company with the intent to buy and we know who they are and we can either market to them or talk to them, right? So prospects is a really important metric for us. And then um, for us, sales uh, opportunities out the other end. Ideally, we get to a revenue metric, right? So co total conversion. Um, I've found in my career uh, that that is an extremely hard connection to make for most marketers. But if you don't have aspirations to do that, I think you're shooting in the wrong place. So, so I'll tell you for us, it's like prospects and um, opportunities. And in the future, really connecting up the total revenue cycle so we can know not only what the ROI in our investments is, which is super important, but that we can make better decisions about the marketing mix um, and or the content that we're generating and if it's relevant and you know getting the results we want. So those are two big primary metrics for us. And then you know, everybody in marketing knows all the other ones in terms of conversion <laughs> rates and click-through rates and cost sure. per clicks and you know all, engagement rates and all that. Like, yeah, we're sure as heck looking at that, but that's not how we're running the business day to day. It's too complicated, I think. So that's awesome. Um, so at Corning right now, what are you most excited about in your position? Um, yeah, for me, I'm super excited about the opportunity we've got in my particular business. One of the reasons they brought me in was some of the expertise I have, but also it's a real make market opportunity for us. I mean, Corning's a 170 year old company. Um, they generate a ton of innovation, and people may or may not know. I mean, you know, the company. Um, invests about 8% of their revenues in R&D, which is a huge amount, guys. Like, it's a huge amount uh, for a company that's in, especially in a B2B company. So they've reinvented themselves many, many times. So the innovation level there uh, for a company that's 170 years old is awesome. And they brought me in in this particular space because um, they're really well entrenched in sort of fiber optics outside of a building. Um, they're a very high kind of shareholder. Um, and in, in the building... They're a very high shareholder in that um, fiber optic cable that goes up the wall. Um, but today, the infrastructure of a building is primarily copper beyond that. So they use copper uh, twisted pair and coax cable to deliver you data to your point of use. Well, uh, that um, copper is running out of its ability to deliver data at the rates and uh, with the essentially performance that new technology requires. So... If nothing else happens, the world will have fiber optic cable in the horizontal of a building or your home within 10 to 15 years because you, you don't have an option to keep up with current sort of data rates and data needs. Um, what we're trying to do is accelerate that curve and, and show people that there's benefits to doing that now. So for me, there's a huge make market opportunity. You say, what am I excited about? It's an innovative company. We're trying to do something new. We're trying to make market, um, but we have an established brand and we're important in the industry. So... For me, like what a cool opportunity to come in and say, how do I take this great company, great brand into a new make market opportunity with tons of innovation behind me and then all the expertise I built over the years um, to be able to apply in a new setting. So it's been a 
So for me, that's a pretty exciting opportunity. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say the, the other thing for me is people. And I know that's uh, maybe not the question you asked, but uh, I really enjoy helping people get to wherever they want to go in their career and helping organizations get better. Um, and with Corning, they believe that. And um, I think I can really help that the organization sort of um, improve and help people get, you know, better opportunities in their career. So I'm excited about that as well. I think it's really cool how you, you took the expertise and the knowledge you gained over a number of years and then just transitioned into something totally different. I think that's something that people can take away, that the, uh, the principles still work, just applied in a different setting. But talking about uh, your full background in marketing, how have you seen things change from when you started out? Have they changed much or what has changed around that? Yeah, dramatically. And that's a, a great question. Um, I often tell this story. So... Uh, I started, you know, call it 17 years ago in my um, commercial, in the commercial business, right? And uh, being in sales and marketing and product line management, right? Uh, when I started 17 years ago, and even as of maybe 10 to 12 years ago, um, we would go train salespeople to be the first on a job, the first to a customer and to control the information to say, hey, you know, you're the expert, be the expert, don't give up too much information, right? Show up and be the hero, if you will, right? And we would train them to be the best technical salespeople, solutions salespeople. Um, and that was super important. But really, over the last 12 years, that shifted dramatically to where we all know, and if you guys have seen like Serious Decisions or Gartner or CEB, they've all run studies that um, there's some huge percentage, in many cases, like 70% of the buying journey is done digitally today. Um, so for B2B customers, a lot of their buying journey, their information gathering is done digitally. And when a salesperson shows up, a lot of times that customer not only knows all about your products, your competitors' products and offerings, but they probably know about you. They probably looked at you on LinkedIn and know your background and know who you are, right? So the world has changed dramatically. And that's where I think it's exciting for marketing because as that shift happens, it's like, how do you cover a marketplace um, without potentially salespeople. One, because you can't hire enough salespeople to cover the market. Or two, because customers just don't engage that way in, in the front end of the process, right? So for marketing, I think there's tons of growth and upside in saying, how do we become better at covering markets um, and, and doing it through tactics that aren't always face-to-face? -face? Um, so, so that's the shift I've seen is this huge shift in the buying process. And it's for, it's for real. It's not just a data point from a research firm. But if you talk to sales engineers and those that have been around for a while, they'll say, yeah, you know, like, you know, um, I show up and they know a lot. Or I used to be able to go to the receptionist and sort of navigate to see somebody. There's no such thing as a receptionist anymore. That, that doesn't exist. So how do you get to a customer, right? And, um, and I think you have to have that human element, you know, how to make it real. Um, and, and I think where you guys are, particularly in like video space and rich content, you know, as marketers, you know, making the, you know, the company human, and accessible um, without having a salesperson show up and talk to a receptionist and get to somebody, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, it's a pretty cool shift that's happened and a really interesting one that's, I think, still happening. Um, I guess last point on that, uh, especially, I keep saying B2B because um, I think B2B companies are maybe five years behind B2Cs typically, right? That's just my experience. So um, in a B2B setting, I think that shift is, is, we're right in the middle of it. Like, it's not done. Um, and it's happening and we have an opportunity to, as, you know, really competitive companies to stay ahead of that curve and really be um, thinking about how we cover markets in a different way. So, Yeah, so going off of that, did the research on looking at your website, 
got to see the video of you doing the presentation for Ingersoll. Um, and you obviously spent a number of years there, climbed through the ranks. What do you take away from your experience? You said you took all of those pro, you know, principles and took them to your new position. But what was the biggest takeaway from, from Ingersoll when you were working there in a big corporation, mm-hmm. in a big position? Yeah. Huh. This is super easy and it may or may not be what you want to hear, but uh, <laughs> people like people, there's no doubt like developing competency and capability and a strong and, and a strong team, um, not just the individuals, but what I, what I would say competency development, uh, the ability to do that at scale is really hard, but it is the way you succeed in a, in a big marketplace at a big company. So to me, uh, capability of uh, capability building and working with um uh, Developing people and teams is is the secret sauce, if you will. Um, so, so that's what I learned over many years of managing people and managing people all over the world. Um, you know, and the way that even uh, the cultural differences matter. Um, so, for me, I, probably the biggest takeaway that's made me uh, maybe a better leader. But to relate it to sort of marketing directly, um, taking the the frameworks in which we think about marketing strategy, the way we uh, built out um, digital marketing capability and taking that to a new company. Like if I think about um, the, the good things we did around marketing strategy and, and, and how we get to customers, taking that and apply it in a new market and then taking digital marketing competency particularly um, and, and having built that from sort of ground up at Ingersoll Rand and coming to Corning um, where they've done some good work, uh, but there's tons of opportunity to continue to improve. Um, for, for me, there's a huge upside to take those learnings and, uh, uh, frankly, bump some bruises I gained along the way and make sure Corning doesn't make those, those mistakes so we can accelerate that sort of maturity. Um, so for me, that's a f- kind of a really transferable stuff uh, that it doesn't matter if it's fiber, optic cable, or air compressors at Ingersoll Rand, or power tools at Ingersoll Rand. It's uh, that stuff's sort of the same, right? So. Did you have to tear down anything at Corning to rebuild, or was there, you know, was there some of that structure that you had to work within? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, in no way would I say tear down. In right. fact, that's probably the wrong even, term. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, that's not even uh, that's not how I look at, at it. It's like you are where you are, and mm-hmm. I, I, I think I said this in that speech. In fact, uh, you are where you are. Start where you are. You know, right. uh, start where your feet are and go from there. And I think with Corning, tons of great infrastructure there. I mean, they're running um, the world's best, you know, MarTech stack you can get. Um, they've got really good people and good competency um, in the organization. So I've got the world's best technology. I've got fantastic people um, to build on. And now it's about taking my learnings and um you know, trying to accelerate there and particularly in places where they just maybe don't have as much competency. So I keep going back to digital marketing as an example. It's just someplace where they haven't had as much, um, they haven't had as many at bats, right? So I can take a lot of my competency and experience with great set of tools and resources and people and say, how do we put those things together to get the best results? And, uh, for me, that's the, that's the opportunity, um, uh, to answer your question, not to build, not to tear down, but, uh, luckily at Corning, the infrastructure is there, like the, all the bones are there and they're already doing good work. It's like, how do I come in and take my expertise to take them to the next level? Right. So I love that. Start where your feet are. I mean, it, it gives you a direct path forward rather than trying to figure out where to start. 
which is super helpful. So as we, before we wrap this up, we want to get into some of those rapid fire yeah. uh, questions. Uh, the first is when you're outside the office, which you guys are outside the office all the time right now, but in <laughs> yeah. a normal circumstance, uh, when you're away from work for a moment, uh, or it could be in the professional context, what motivates you? What motivates me as an individual um, is, and I'll just, from a professional perspective, I like complex sort of problems. And um, I, like, I like to be able to build something. I'm a builder, definitely. So um, if you give me something that's really complicated and um, it takes a lot of uh, getting kicked in the teeth and standing back up, you know, that stuff kind of gets me going. So that, I'm motivated by that type of a challenge. And kind of what I'm interested in, what, what motivates me is helping people get to where they want to go. And that means uh, not just individuals, but if I can create success at a company, you know, that success funds people's careers. And, you know, like I can literally help people's lives get better by, you know, growing a business that provides more jobs than I can develop individuals and their competency uh, to get them to be more successful in whatever they want to do. To me, that's like, that's the fun stuff. Like that's the stuff that matters. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, I'm a super results-oriented person, so I love winning. Um, so I'm motivated by like generating a bunch of leads and a bunch of revenue and new customers. Like that's the stuff that gets you jazzed. It's sort of the pay payoff, but the stuff that gets me up in the morning is, um, like I, like I said, the challenge of building something and, and helping people be successful. So what advice would you give to either, you know, a college student that's out there or, you know, a young, um, somebody that's coming into the market for the first time that wants to get into that marketing space, maybe it's B2B, but they want to get in there. What's your what's your number one advice you give them? I would say be you know if you're you're straight out of college, uh, be open to learning. You know, um, I, I think that there's so many opportunities that you have now, especially uh, to learn in advance. Um, it's so much easier to do that, but you have to be open to it. And I would tell them you have to own your own path. I think that there's a very uh, my experience. Uh, people younger in their career have a little bit of an expectation that people are going to hand that to them or that somebody's going to define that path. The reality is that path is not linear and that nobody's going to own that for you. So if you want to really get ahead, you got to own it and uh, you got to be willing to take sort of sometimes sidesteps to get to, to what you want. And to what you want might not be CEO someday. If it is, great. Like there's paths to get there. But maybe that means you just want to be really good at whatever you're doing. In any case, you have to be willing to take those sort of side steps sometimes to get new competency so that you can go up. Um, so the career, your career will look more like a lattice than a ladder. And um, I think that's um, really important sort of advice for a younger person in their career. So if you're open to the tools and, and information that's available to you today, which is abundant, and you understand your career is not linear, and then you own it, like sky's the limit, you know, do what you want, right? So um, I think that's what I would tell them. Give us a fun fact about yourself. Could be a hobby, something maybe somebody doesn't know about you that you enjoy. Fun fact about me, I am an avid water skier. I water ski competitively. I ski now, it's 34 miles an hour at 35 off on on the line, which is a uh, would put me in the top tier, but not a professional. So I got to keep going to work, but, uh, really like get out water skiing, uh, pretty regularly. So it's awesome. Barefoot. Uh, I can barefoot, but, uh, now it's straight slalom skiing around the, uh, around the ski courses. So awesome. Very yeah, cool. Man. 
I enjoy I enjoy the skiing part as well. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm not good. Not even it. close to that. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I can get up. You know, I tried to uh, do wakeboarding, but I couldn't get up with just the two. I, yeah. I enjoy the two skis nice. under me. So nice. <laughs> where the two feet are, I'm good. <laughs> Keep I'm good your feet grounded. Right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Jason, thanks so much for for being here and joining yeah. us. Yep. I want to remind our listeners you can find more episodes of the Hive Life in our production podcast, the QCC, by visiting the podcast page of our website under the resources tab. We'd also love for you to follow us on our social media platforms. Just search Spherical Media. For Tim Bear and our guest, Jason Grizzy, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for listening and so long for now. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spherical Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spherical Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.